0: Thank you for listening to this podcast from Bethel Family Worship Center. Thank you. You You may be seated. Thank you. Wow. It's my first time in uh, Indianapolis, and I like it here already. Thank you, Pastor Russell Beverly. Thank you for having me. It's an honor to be here. I don't take it lightly that you would invite me all the way from the UK to be here. To be fair, I've been in the US, this is my third week now. So I've been in New Jersey, I've been in North Carolina, I've been in Alabama, and this is my last stop, and I'll be flying back home. So I miss my family, uh, but I'm so glad my wife released me to be here because it's such a blessing to be with you guys. And man, that worship time was incredible. (laughs) Wow, 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 wow. It's so good, so good, so good. So God bless you. Uh, Pastor Roger, thanks for kind of doing all the introduction, telling people a bit about me because I don't have to go into all of that kind of detail anymore. Well, let's pray. And then we're gonna go into the Word. Father, thank you so much. Thank you so much for your presence here. Thank you for what you're doing in this region. Thank you for what you're doing through this church. Thank you for what you're already doing in your, in your body, in this region. And Father, I'm here to just add, to connect the dots, to speak into the movement of what your Spirit is emphasizing right now. So Lord, I ask you that you give me utterance I ask that there will be hearts set on fire tonight in a fresh way. Uh, Lord, I ask that there will be a breaking of every restriction, every deception, every oppression, every distraction of darkness. I ask that, Lord, you would uh, propel us into a new place of effectiveness in seeking your face like never before, Lord. Have your way, Holy Spirit. Amen. 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 I'm, I'm going to be reading from First Kings 17. So, if you go to your Bibles, please turn to First Kings 17 verse 1. I was uh, brought up in the ministry, so my parents are missionaries. Um, and I never really thought I would end up where I am today. I never really thought I'd end up teaching, preaching. In fact, there are people in this room right now that would hate to stand on this platform. Anyone like that right now? Like, you would not wanna be on this platform speaking. Okay, there's a hand on the back. <laughs> so I think, me, it seems like everyone here likes to stand on the platform. Anyone in this room that will not like to stand on this platform to preach right now? Okay, just a few hands, okay, okay. Well, I hated public speaking. I never wanted to do anything like this. I did not have a desire to do this, and, you know, because I've been around ministry all my life, I did not have any kind of ambition or itch to kind of step on a platform. Uh, so, I remember being in a meeting, and uh, a prophetic guy was releasing words, and it came to me because I'm a musician, and it uh, kind of prophesied over my musician friends and said to them that they were going to be mightily used by God in writing songs and blah, blah, blah. So I was expecting a prophetic word about music, and then he said something about, you know, God's going to use you as a preacher, and you're going to travel. And inside in my heart to God, these were my words to God, why, Lord? (laughs) Why would you do this to me? I'm saying that for you to understand that I did not want to do this. But, you know, when you have an encounter with God... Things change in you. Peter, that was denying Jesus one moment, encountered the fire of God the next moment, and he is as bold as a lion. Isaiah 6 talks about the seraphim who fly around the throne. They're called the burning ones, right? So they're on fire. Ezekiel has a vision of the throne and the description of the person he sees on the throne is of fire, right? Daniel has a vision of the same throne room and he sees something like fiery stream proceeding from the throne. John the the apostle has a vision of the throne. He sees the seven burning lampstands and he sees Jesus and his eyes on fire. So let's put all that together. The man on the throne is on fire the throne is on fire stream coming from the throne is on fire it seems like everything around him is on fire how can you tell me you're close to him and not be on fire and when you catch fire you don't have to advertise it so if i come near you and i'm not feeling heat Maybe you've caught nothing, maybe you've just been in religion, maybe you've just been entertaining smoke and you've not been in the real fire. Because in my experience, the fire brings change in you in such a way that people around you can tell you have been in the fire. We want the fire of God, not just nice messages. We want the Lord to change us from the inside out. Now, I was used to going to church and being in this kind of environment until the Lord encountered me. Many of you in this room, you've encountered God before to a certain degree, but you need a fresh touch. <laughs> because you've, been, you've got to a place where you're stale in your walk. You're repeating the same patterns. You're the same way you were last year and the way you were the year before. But the Bible says, when we behold Him, we're changed from glory to glory. So we're not supposed to remain the same. If you still live the same, act the same, talk the same, worship the same, pray the same as you did five years ago, something is wrong with that picture. (laughs) The more you get to know God, the more you love Him. That's why I have a problem with Christians that have been, uh, they've been a Christians for very long, and it seems like the longer they become Christians, the more cynical they are. So you have two groups. You have the wine Christians, and you have the milk Christians. Milk gets bad with time. Wine gets better with time. Are you a milk Christian, or are you a wine Christian? <laughs> Some Christians, they get worse in their attitude, they're mean, they're horrible, unloving. The more they grow in their years, chronological years as being Christian. So you realize the fact that you've been a Christian for 10 years does not mean you're mature. You could be a Christian for 10 years, 15 years, and still be in spiritual diapers. And another guy could have been a Christian for five months and one year and is way further down the line in terms of the image of Christ being formed in them than you are. Because they're staying near the throne. They're staying near the fire. And the fire changes us. And I'm telling you, when you encounter the fire, you don't have to advertise it. I encounter the presence of God and I'm still seeking more of that presence today and every day. And I had a personality transplant because I did not want to stand in front of the people speaking. I did not want to preach. I did not want to do any this stuff. And in one moment, when the fire of God hits me, it's all of a sudden, what happened was I start to not just encounter God, but in encountering God, I realized who I was. And when you realize who God's called you to be, listen, you're not going to want to be anyone else. You're going to look at yourself in the mirror and say, I love you. (laughs) Some of you don't like yourself. The more you encounter God, the more you encounter who he's called you to be. I don't want to be anyone else. I just want to be who he has called me to be. Now, that's not to say I'm perfect, but I know as I'm pressing into him, the fire also deals with my flesh. Hello, somebody. he's in the business of shaping and molding and making me into everything he's called me to be. So as I've encountered the Lord, I've I've seen him change me from the inside out. And so I get to a place right now, I don't know how many years it's been, because I kind of ended up in kind of ministry 2007. So it's been several years now, and I've seen God do some incredible things. And we've been based in the UK, you know, leading a ministry called Preston. But I've I've had a few words about America and I've never really thought much about it until I mean I've been connected to America for many years. Karen Wheaton, you just heard about the ramp. Karen Wheaton is my spiritual mother. Louingo, who leads the call. I don't know if you guys are aware of the call. Here is a spiritual father to me. And so these two individuals kind of, if you want to understand my spiritual DNA, just if you understand those people, then you kind of understand where my roots are spiritually. And so I come to America often. Uh, but over the last 15 years, my connection to America has been the ramp and the call. But this time around, it felt like God was doing something different. And now that he's bringing me here to Indianapolis, um, I also sense that stirring. So when I was praying about this service, and the Lord started stirring this uh, verse or these verses we 're going to look at, I really felt there's something really key about what he's wanting to raise up in this region, and I believe it's connected to what he's doing in America at large. I want to start by announcing this to you, The devil is raising an army. And they're intense and they're very focused, and they're very much militant. Some people who are part of his army don't know they're part of the army because they've just come under the atmosphere, the spirit of the age. In fact, some Christians are double agents. (laughs) Sometimes they don't realize they've come under the government of the spirit of the age. And they are articulating and giving voice to demonic ideologies. And the next moment, they're praising God. Hello, Peter. One moment, Peter says, you're Christ, the son of the living God. The next moment, he's trying to rebuke Jesus from going to to the cross. So as Christians, you could get to a place where you could be giving expression to different um, spiritual atmospheres without realizing what you're coming under. Listen. What you don't consciously stand against, you subconsciously come under and are influenced by. There is a spirit arising in America. And when I say this, I'm not even just talking about politics because I can tell. I mean, everyone around the world knows there's such a fight going on right now in your political arena. That is just pretty much a manifestation of something bigger going on. So don't get caught up in Republican Democrat stuff right now, because both parties have issues. <laughs> Can I say that again? Both parties have issues. We need to see what's going on behind the scenes. And we need to align with the Spirit of God. There is a spirit stirring. the enemy has been working over time over this nation, particularly the church. And the Lord is wanting to raise up an army in the church. The fact that thousands of Christians gather at a Christian event or at a mega church, and I'm not against mega churches, uh, a big event, does not mean they are part of this army God is raising up. Numbers does not equate to spiritual influence. 5,000, 10,000, 15,000 Christians can gather and because it's compromised believers gathering, they're not able to shift anything in the spirit realm. God is not looking for a company of compromised believers who are living in agreement with Satan and have come under the spirit of the age, yet they're crying out to him for a move of his spirit. Listen, those sorts of prayers have been neutralized in the authority and cannot shift anything in the spirit realm. God is looking for an army, an army that's wholly given to him. And you see, when you're in the army, there is a certain level of discipline and order that's there. So, what the king says is what goes. You know, in England, we have a monarchy. You don't have that here. So, you know, I don't know if you understand the concept, because that is the kingdom concept, really. We are in a kingdom. I mean, the other day, I was with my uh, family driving somewhere in the car, and I said to my son in the back to do something. And you know what he responded? He's, He's just turned nine it was eight then, he responded to me and said, Dad, can we have a vote on that? <laughs> He's eight. <laughs> now, I don't know if any Nigerians in the room, but if you've got Nigerian blood, I don't know what Americans are like in terms of disciplining children, you dare not talk to me that way? <laughs> Shush! I tell you what to do, and you do it. Don't qu- you do it. Don't ask me why, 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 because... Why that? Why that? No, no, no. You do it. Your mom tells you, you do it. So I said to Justice, his name is Justice. I said, Justice? This is not a democracy. To which he says, well, Dad, what is a democracy? (laughs) So I had to take some time to explain what democracy is. Now, I want to declare to you, Americans, (laughs) the kingdom is not a democracy. He is king. Many of us know him as savior, but now we need to rediscover him as king. When he begins to reign as king, what he says is what happens. Whether we like it or not, that's why he's called us to pray that prayer. Your kingdom come. Your will, your will, your will, your will. You can't have the kingdom without the will. And the king has a will. The other side is, you have a will too. Yeah. So when the two wills clash, who's going to win? The king has to win, but oftentimes he doesn't win. So if his will is not being done in here, it's not going to be done through us. Yeah. Right? So in raising up his end time army in America, the Lord is wanting to cause us to have a fresh revelation of what it means to come under his lordship. Come under his His government, where he begins to influence and dictate how you spend money, who you date. Oh, shall I go there? (laughs) You, you, You can't just date anyone because you like them. You can't just date anyone because even they're in the church. God has an opinion about how you spend your time, your energy, your emotions. He has an opinion on it. And when you start to follow him and you start to be more concerned about his desires and his heart, you start to realize he has an opinion about the way you spend your time and your resources. And so you realize you can't just be with anyone. In fact, this is for someone in this room right now. Listen, Joseph had to marry Mary. Joseph couldn't just marry anyone else. Mary had to marry Joseph. They couldn't just be with anyone because them, their coming together had significant repercussions in the agenda of God. Do you understand know what I'm trying to say here? So I know my coming together with my wife was not my idea. Now the Lord brought feelings and emotions, but our coming together is actually serving a bigger agenda. God's purpose in the region and in the nation is greater but than my feelings. So when there is conflict, guess what? I'm going to go back to the one who brought us together. Because he brought us together, there is unique wisdom that He has to make this work in alignment with his agenda. Well if he didn't bring you guys together, God help you.) <laughs> And let me just make I'm not saying get divorced. That's not what I'm saying, by the way. <laughs> so, God is wanting to raise up an army. And so we're gonna look at this verse or these verses in 1 Kings 17, because part of the DNA of this army, I believe, is what I see here with this biblical famous character that we all know, Elijah. First Kings 17. He says, And Elijah the Tishbite of the inhabitant of Gilead said to Ahab, As the Lord God of Israel lives before whom I stand, there shall be no rain, nor dew, these years except at my word. What a bold statement. What an audacious declaration to release. What I mean, what sort of authority did this man walk in? Think about it. There was no social media, no CNN, no Fox News, nothing. He just spoke these words. And if you were there in that moment, it may have seemed ordinary and simple. Because he wasn't speaking into a microphone and shouting. He wasn't preaching it. He just spoke it. And when he spoke it, heaven backed it. And it was as he said it. When you see those sorts of things happen, they don't just happen by accident. They don't just happen by chance. Elijah had done something behind the scenes. That meant his words carried the sort of weight it carried. So you can read and we can read that passage and go, wow, Lord, you know, you're the God of Elijah, just as you use Elijah, you know, I want you to use me in the same way. But you need to realize, it's, it's easy to admire the anointing and not realize the process that God took Elijah through to get to the destination that you're admiring. Elijah did not just arrive here overnight. He had been through God's process because Elijah was going to be used by God to bring about a shift, a shaking in the nation. So Elijah first had to meet with God. Now, interesting with this passage, or with this, uh, what we just read, we don't know anything about Elijah's history, and I, I think the Lord has done that on purpose in many ways, because you don't know anything about his parents, anything about how he's upbringing, oh, but when you look through the whole kind of uh, uh, counsel of Scripture and the way God works, you would know that there is no way God did not deal with Elijah before these moments. God had to take him through a process of dealing with him, where God could entrust him with such authority. Listen, God loves you, but God doesn't trust you. Just like I've got a two-year-old, I love my two-year-old daughter, but it doesn't mean I trust her because she is not matured. One of the signs of maturity is responsibility. Many Christians are not responsible, spiritually responsible. In fact, many believers are not an asset to the kingdom. They're a liability to the kingdom. When you grow in maturity, God can put responsibility on you. For example, I'm speaking tonight, right? Imagine after this session, um, Pastor Russell comes and finds you in the back. In your hoodie and said, Hey, nice to see you today. Tomorrow evening, you're gonna be preaching. James is okay with that, and you know, just want you to know tomorrow evening, you're gonna be preaching. Now, how many realize if you receive that from the pastor, after the service, you're not gonna go home and watch football, <laughs> you're not gonna go home and watch Disney Plus. You're not going to go home and watch your favorite series, Netflix. You're not going to go home and watch YouTube. Why? Because when you receive the word from the pastor, you know something hit you? Spiritual responsibility. And because of that spiritual responsibility that you've taken on, it now starts to affect your lifestyle. So now... Instead of waking up and watching TV, you think, oh my goodness, I need a word from God. Oh, Lord, help me. You're going to start praying. You're probably going to fast because you don't want to come on the platform without a word. So you receive spiritual responsibility now starts to affect your actions. Can I announce to you from heaven's perspective, you don't need a microphone to have spiritual responsibility. God already sees you as one that already has spiritual responsibility. Yeah. But you're waiting for the microphone before you fast and pray. Yeah. The same way I need to fast and pray to come on this platform is the same way you need to fast and pray to go to your workplace. Because yeah. that's your platform. Yeah. It's the same way you need to fast and pray to be a mom. The same way you need to fast and pray to be a nurse. Whatever it is God's called you to be. Yeah. Because You see, this is one of the problems, we idolize the platform in the church context so much that we elevate people and we idolize the gifts of the Spirit and gifting so much so that we think this is the only way to serve God. And so we put all the pressure on the pastors. We put all the pressure on the preachers. Maybe that's why some of them are falling like flies. Because the expectation is oh, I pastor to do this. Now I'm not saying the pastors don't have responsibility, but according to Ephesians, the fivefold ministry is there to equip the saints, the saints, the saints, the saints, to do the work, the work, the work. So the saints do the work. And even the preachers, they're saints, too, we're part of the body of Christ. So, it's not about just me doing my thing on the platform and you just watching me shine and you just say, Oh, great man of God. You're called to be a woman of God too. You're called to be a man of God too. And by the way, it's not just for older people, teenagers in the room. You're called to be a boy of God too, a girl of God too. Don't wait till your 20s and your 25 and your 30. At 12, at 13, begin to give God everything. And teenagers in the room, don't get distracted by boyfriends and girlfriends. You're 14, why do you want a boyfriend? Are you getting married? You're 15, why do you want to be in a relationship? Oh, you know, and the, sometimes the parents say, so, oh, you know what, they just need to have this experience. Well, you're not going to buy cocaine and drugs and and. and some, some people say, oh, you know, it's okay if they're in a the relationship because we can just observe. We can just kind of keep an eye on them. You don't buy drugs and observe them take it, knowing that it's going to destroy them. What are you about? Oh, yeah, it's just the way the culture is. No, 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 no. So they get with this one, they break up. They get with that one, they break up. They get, um, first, all, I'm like, why are you letting them waste their emotions? Why are you putting them through that emotional trauma? Why, 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 why? why? I know the world does it, but that's not how God intends for us to live as believers. Don't let your children waste their emotions on boys and girls. Bring them up in the way of the Lord. Let them know that God has someone for them. So they get with this one, they break up, this one break up, this one break up. Do you know what that is? It's practice for divorce. Why are we putting them in that cycle? As parents, we set the standard, the battle is raging in the culture. Can I say to parents, don't just bring your children to Sunday school and let the the Sunday school teachers do all the Bible training and you think 10 years down the line they're going to become warriors. When they're receiving all the indoctrination from the world system, the school system, the media, many, many, many hours, and then we give them just two hours a week and we we think that that's going to make them warriors, you have to raise them up as warriors. You have to raise them up. Literally, just a few weeks ago, we're doing deliverance over someone. She is like full on manifesting demons, like you know, and we're casting demons out and praying over this lady. This is a Pentecostal church, so this is not weird to you, right? <laughs> right? <laughs> so, we're casting all of a sudden, the demon speaks through this girl, looks at me in the eye, and says, I hate justice. Justice is my son. <laughs> How many realize in that moment, I'm thinking. I better raise justice up to be a warrior I can't be putting him in front of Disney Plus all day when a demon is telling me it hates him so we're gonna learn how to pray in tongues we're gonna fight we're gonna be people who learn I'm gonna train my family to be warriors it's not just for the man of God no we're all gonna learn how to do this in the spirit so he came downstairs one day, this was some months back, and he wanted to play his video games. And I said, no, daddy's praying because I've been traveling. and I was tired, so I woke up late, and I was at my prayer time. Downstairs, he came down, and he wanted to play his games. I said, no, you're not going to play your games right now. He's eight, and he's very energetic and full of life and wants to run around. How many of you got kids like that? No, you're not going to play your games right now. Daddy is having some time to pray, and you know what happens when daddy's praying. Don't disturb. Okay, so, so but then I thought, actually, I said to him, okay, Justice, I will play your video games with you if you pray with me. So right there, I couldn't believe what happened because for about 45 minutes, he sat there with me and we're praying in tongues. And then I noticed, as I start to pray in tongues, I would release declarations and pray over specific things. You know what happened? After a while, he starts to do the same. With his little understanding of scripture, he starts to repeat, pray in tongues for a while, and then release declarations. And it, it dawns on me, this is how we disciple our children. We do it with them. We get them involved in the mix. I thought, okay, well, Justice, you can pray in tongues for an hour, and sometimes he joins us in our midnight prayers, praying in the Spirit. So I'm telling you, parents, I don't even know why I'm on this track, because this has nothing to do with my message today. I'm telling you, we, we are in a battle right now for this generation. So we better start to invest in them. Spiritual DNA, that, that mindset of a warrior, that prayer investment, such that they will not be swayed by the culture and the system. That they can be in the world, but the world does not come in them. They can be in a context where people are making fun of them because of their faith. And they will not bow to the culture. Because we've built an inner fortitude in them. The world is going to make fun of us. The world is going to make fun of them. So we better start training them to be able to stand against all that mocking. And not succumb under the pressure. Elijah went through a process... He didn't just arrive at this place overnight. God had to train him. God had to take him to the spiritual gym, the spiritual, the the school of the spirits. Oftentimes as believers, we admire the end results, but we don't want to go through the process. So when I read things like Elijah released this declaration that there will be no rain, I'm I'm asking myself the question, Lord, what did you do in Elijah that made him carry such authority? Now, the faith preacher, and I believe in faith and declarations, the faith preacher will come and say to you that he released the faith declaration. Can I say to you, this was not just a faith declaration. You know why? Because by the Holy Spirit, we get insight into the backstory to this declaration. And we get that insight in the book of James. James 5 tells us this, Elijah was a man just like us. Elijah was a man just like me. He got frustrated. He got angry. got disappointed. In fact, we know how he ended. I don't believe he finished his assignment completely because, you know, it came under that influence of Jezebel, which, by the way, is alive and well in America today. <laughs> intimidating the prophets, intimidating the people of God. Through the media, that's one of her main voices right there. Through the media, through the political system, trying to shut down the prophetic move of God. Jezebel is raging in America today. Don't just think of it as something in the Bible, it's something that's going on right now in intensity, but manifesting through culture. And many times, we as believers are not sensitive. And so we come under its influence. And I said this earlier, I'll say it again. What you don't consciously stand against, you subconsciously come under. James 5 gives us insight into the backstory to this declaration. So 1 Kings 17 says, Elijah shows up and says, there shall be no rain. James 5 tells us, Elijah was a man just like us, but this is what made him different. And he prayed and he prayed so first Kings doesn't tell us he prayed first Kings 17 just tells us he spoke James 5 comes and tells us he prayed earnestly that there will be no rain and then there was no rain what does it mean to pray earnestly when he prayed he wasn't praying intellectual prayers you can't tell me you're praying earnestly and your emotions are disconnected from the prayer in fact if the prayer is not moving you why should heaven be moved and so you see i come from a culture in the uk where it's very reserved oftentimes so i i I like your amens and your come on preacher but i don't get that that often in the uk in fact In fact, I remember one of the first few times I started speaking in America, because I'm used to just plowing, whether anyone says amen or not, I'm just going, just going. And the moment when I started saying amen, this was in America some years ago, I was, it completely threw me off. Like, I lost my train of thought completely, like, oh my goodness, where was I? Because I was, I was not used to the response. But you know what happens? American preachers that write of that response, when they come to the context where that response is in there, they struggle. So I'm like, you know what, Lord, whether I get a response or not, I'm just going to keep writing on. Now, where was I? <laughs> he prayed earnestly, right? So to pray earnestly, his emotions were invested. Now, in the uh, uh, kind of British kind of culture, it's very reserved and very calm and very kind of, everyone is kind of collected. So I say to, you, and I, and I see this sometimes in Americans too, not because not all Americans are kind of animated and loud, you know, so I say to the British um, and my friends, because by the way, my wife is white, so I, <laughs> I just thought I'd throw that out there in case you we are wondering. <laughs> <laughs> so a lot of my ministry in the UK is often to white congregations, right? And the funny thing is, the reverse is the case with my wife she, because she is a prophetic musician, singer, so she tends to minister a lot more in the black congregations, which is really interesting. So, so I go into a white context and I reserve, and I say, listen, guys, you know, um, at the football game a few weeks back, you were very animated and you were shouting, and you got off your chair, and you didn't care what, I mean it's amazing what football will will do to grown men. (laughs) It's like a drug. All of a sudden, all inhibition, gone. Anyone knows what I'm talking about? The same men that go crazy for football come to church the next day and are frozen chickens. So I say to those men, you're living a lie. Because you're giving more of your excitement to football than you are to God. You, you see, God wants you to serve him with everything in you. Your spirituality should find expression through your personality. If you're going to be animated for football, it means that craziness is already in you. So why not express it for God? I'm not saying don't be animated for football, but if you're going to be animated for that, even more so be animated for the things of God. Many people come to church and they shut down their emotions. They shut down it. God wants you to express who you are. Now, I have a blood brother. He's actually my senior brother before me. Now, um, I did a speech at his wedding, and I said, his name is Stephen. I said, when Stephen is excited, this is his face. When Stephen is extremely disappointed and mad, this is his face. When Stephen is like... You know, his whole world is falling apart and everything is just, and he's really stressed and life is so difficult. This is his face. (laughs) So I was saying to his wife, I said, you're never going to know whether your cooking is bad or good. (laughs) (laughs) Now, my brother, that is his personality. His nature is just cool, calm, collected. So if he came into a context like this, and he's wanting to press into God, and he's he's doing that from from the default of his nature, it's okay, because he's being him. Guess what, I am not that. (laughs) (laughs) And you're probably not that. When I get mad, my voice volume goes high. When I get upset, decibels go high. And if that is who I am in my nature and I'm animating and expressive, God is wanting that to be expressed in my spirituality. And some people say, well, why are you shouting? You know, God is not deaf. Well, Well, God is not nervous either. God is not scared about the fact that I am shouting and releasing my voice to Him. No, in fact, He loves it. Now, if my nature is being calm, cool, collected, that's okay as well as long as I'm being real to who he made me and I'm expressing that reality to him. So don't be intimidated by me being me. you be the real you and I'm gonna be the real me. Now when I'm the real me, I'm gonna shout. When I pray, I'm gonna lift my voice. When I worship, I might be animated, but I am gonna serve God with everything he has made me to be. Don't shut me down. So Elijah prayed earnestly. He engaged his his personality. Check this out. Elijah prayed with intensity, but when you compare the way Elijah prayed to the way Abraham prayed, completely different. Abraham is is interceding with God for the destiny of a region. And it sounds like he's having, it's like like at an auction, give me 50, give me 40, give me 30. (laughs) It's like, so... On the other hand, Elijah is in intense intercession. Both are valid. Because each person was true to who God had made them. When I think of Abraham and the way he prayed, it's different to the way Elijah prayed, different to the way, you know, Daniel prayed. You see that these people have different personalities. It's the same way God wants you. He's not called us into uniformity. He's called us into unity. And in unity, there is, there's, there's a revelation of individual identity. And each person has a security in who God has made them. Are, there's, there's an identity, there's security. And because of that, we can come together and we can have real unity. Because each person brings their own sound. And each person is unique. And when we come together, like Acts 2, we're in one accord so there's a harmony of the sound that's released because each person is being real. Elijah prayed with intensity. The church in America needs to find that place of intensity in prayer. In my experience, the church in America knows how to praise. We can have our praise breaks. We don't really do that in the UK, by the way, except some of the black churches, but we don't do that anyway. It's not, it's, you know, the praise break, it's not really the, kind. each culture has their way of expressing love to God, and it's not wrong, I'm not saying it's wrong, by the way, it's just different, and in my experience, Americans know how to praise in the church context that way. Now, there's nothing wrong with that, but I wanna to declare to you, Americans need to know how to pray. Because of the intensity of the darkness that's rising over your state, over your nation, you need to connect to intensity. Your emotions need to connect to how God feels about it. Because if you are not bothered about it, you're not going to really engage at a heart level with it. But you might go, well, I don't feel like praying. Can I announce to you that God declares you as a believer, not a feeler? I can't tell you how many times I don't feel like praying. But you know what? I engage in faith, and my emotions later catch up. And you might say, well, okay, doesn't that contradict what you just said in terms of praying intensely? Well, think about it this way. Um, The Apostle Paul says, the kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. Peace and joy affect your emotions. You can't tell me you're walking in peace and joy and your emotions are disconnected. That doesn't make any sense, does it? So the realities of the kingdom affect your emotions, meaning God cares about your emotions. However, you're called not to live by your emotions. You're called to live by faith. So what does that look like in the context of praying? Well, come to God and be real. Lord, right now, I want to pray. But my emotions are not connecting. My heart feels Disconnected, Lord, I am inviting you to stir my heart, and oftentimes you actually invite a Lord to stir her by you stirring yourself in the Holy Ghost. Can I be real with you? Just I mean, some weeks ago, how many are married in here? You're married. Okay. So you know, I don't know what your marriage is like, but I'm sure there are times where you have conflict. <laughs> Well, we just finished a season of fasting and prayer, and I realized whenever my wife and I were going to get together to pray, just about every time, some silly argument would come up. Like, the most, anyone knows what I'm talking about? The most silly, random. And so, the desire to pray was, um, what's the word? Was snuffed out (laughs) by the, anyone here knows what I'm talking about. So, by the time we finished resolving the conflict, Okay, let's get back to prayer. At that point, everything in me is like, forget about this prayer right now. <laughs> and she's probably feeling the same. But I know that that's not what I'm meant to be feeling. But I can't deny that that is what I'm feeling in that moment. So you know what? I'm like, Lord, I don't, I'm not saying this to her. I'm talking to her. Lord, I don't feel like this right now, but I'm going to do this in faith. So I grab a hand and we start praying in tongues. Honestly, it's shocking to me how every time this happens. The moment we start praying in tongues, not too long afterwards, my emotions that were wherever they were, all of a sudden start to come back. And all of a sudden we have reconnected emotionally and we found our groove in fervency and we're going out together in unity. But if I allowed the emotion to shut me down, guess what? We would not have actually achieved anything in that prayer time. And that's exactly what the enemy wanted, to break our unity. And he was going to use emotions to stop me. You don't believe how many Christians don't pray because they don't feel like it. What a lie from the pit of hell. You pray when you feel like it. You pray when you don't feel like it. You pray when it's hard. You pray when it's easy. You pray when there's breakthrough. You pray when there's no breakthrough. You pray when life is weighing you down. You pray when you feel like you're on top of the world. Regardless of the season, you pray. The devil wants to shut your mouth. You don't know what to pray? Stop praying in the Holy Spirit. Say, Lord, give me the emotion. I pray this often, Lord, give me the emotions of heaven. I want to feel what you feel. Lord, recalibrate my emotions to align with your emotions right now. Let every negative emotion be lifted out of my heart and my mind right now. Sometimes the enemy manipulates you with demonic emotions. You see, the devil is intelligent. For many of you, you don't realize the devil is speaking to you because it sounds like you speaking to you. He's talking to you in your own voice, to you in your head. And you think it's you, but it's the devil. You sang it earlier. The devil is a liar. He is a liar. And if you don't take those thoughts captive, they will take you captive. That's why you need to articulate your words to God and rebuke the devil. Rebuke the words. Begin to pray in the Spirit. And so you begin to stir yourself in the Holy Spirit. Your emotions eventually catch up. Elijah prayed earnestly. So there are two things I see with the way Elijah prayed, in that word, earnestly. He prayed with intensity of emotion. So he didn't just pray with intensity. He also had tenacity. Now, we don't know how long he had to pray to secure the authority to close the heavens. But I guarantee you it wasn't a five-minute prayer. I remember having a pastor's meeting once, like for church planters, and I was teaching. And at the end, one of the pastors that was gonna be planting the church was saying to me as a question, what is the point of these long prayers? Because I just say what I wanna say to God and I'm done in a few minutes. You know, it's like, you know, I don't really see why it has to be that long. God knows what I want anyway, so I just say it and I'm done. And, And as I've thought about that over the years, this is my response. Why don't you say that to Jesus? Jesus didn't pray for five minutes. He prayed through the night. Six, seven hours. And Mark 1 tells us he got up a great while before daylight. Can I say to you, that is not 6 a.m. A great while before daylight is a great while before daylight. I don't know what time, maybe 4, 3 a.m. He prayed for long hours. In fact, that is why... That's precisely why the disciples said to him, teach us to do this thing. He wasn't doing the five-minute thing or the two-minute thing. So if there's anyone that had an excuse not to pray and not to pray for long, guess who he was? Jesus. So if Jesus is praying for six, seven, eight hours, who are you to think you're okay with five minutes? He had to invest in prayer that much to fulfill God's purpose for him on earth. And you want to fulfill God's purpose for you and you think he's going to do it five minutes. Meanwhile, you're scrolling through Instagram and scrolling through Facebook and watching movies for hours. But when it's time to pray, you give three, four minutes and you want to change the world. Listen, you're joking. Your prayer life With that kind of mindset, will not move anything in the spirit realm. You just say a quick prayer before you eat your dinner, and then you think you have a prayer life. You're joking. The disciples who shook the world, they learned from Jesus. And they were able to invest themselves in prayer. Now, let me make this very clear. Prayer is not easy. On the flesh, it's not easy. So you might start praying, oh, goodness me, I feel bored. Good because when you feel bored you need to remember this it's not god that's boring it's you that's boring your flesh is reacting that boredom you feel that's your flesh reacting and you need to push into that boredom you have to embrace boredom as a pathway to encounter you think it's just going to be you start praying angels show up And things start to explode. Now, there are times where the presence breaks in that way. But I can guarantee you, Daniel, the book of Daniel, you know, when he prayed and, you know, he has all these incredible encounters we read in the book of Daniel. Those encounters happen after decades. Someone say decades. Decades Decades of consistently praying three times a day. And some of those prayer meetings, he was bored in. But prayers never die. They just accumulate. When he thought he was bored, <laughs> he had no idea, he was making spiritual deposits. When you're praying and you're spending time in the presence of God, and you're like, well, I spend this time, but I don't feel anything. Forget about you don't feeling anything. Just realize as you're spending that time, one hour, two hours, three hours, whatever it is, and you're doing that on a regular basis, you're making spiritual deposits in your heavenly account. <laughs> there is a day when you're going to need to make some withdrawals. You better make those deposits in the hours, in the day. Do you know, invest in the spirits. you to invest in prayer. Jesus prayed for long hours. Elijah was not just intense, he was tenacious, meaning he had the ability in him not to give up. And we see that when he was praying for the rain to come. He went on the mountaintop, put his head between his knees, and starts to groan for the rain and groan for, you know, the heavens to open, which is a whole other, uh, I guess, teaching uh, because the Lord had already said to him the rain was coming. Well, if the Lord said the rain was coming, why does Elijah have to pray so intensely? That's not the focus of this, but I need to make this quite clear. God had said to Elijah, I'm going to send the rain. But then Elijah still went to the mountaintop and was praying intensely for the thing that God said he was going to do. If that was today in our Pentecostal charismatic churches and the Lord gave a word, I am going to send revival to Indianapolis. You know what's going to happen? We'll print books about it. We're going to put it out on Facebook. We're going to get all the word out there. We're going to get everyone declaring. The Lord said he would do this. Not Elijah. Because the fact that God says he's going to do something does not mean he's just going to do it without your participation in making it happen. And Elijah's part was to groan and to travail for the very thing that God said he wanted to do. The fact that something is the will of God doesn't always mean it just happens. For example, is the will of God that none will perish. That is the will and desire of God. But isn't that what's happening today, people perishing without God? So God is actually requiring our participation and alignment in his will. And this is the area that I believe the Lord is wanting us as a church to grow in the inner stamina to be able to take hold of what God has said. Pray with intensity and not give up. Pray until. That, that, that is the warrior mindset. Gosh, time is gone. I'm going to wrap up. That is the warrior mindset. To pray until, someone say, until. When Elijah went on that mountaintop, oh yeah, I was talking about how Elijah, we, we don't know how long Elijah had to pray for the heavens to be shot. But if we look at the way he prayed for the heavens to be opened, maybe it gives us a picture into how he might have prayed for the heavens to be shot. So when he was praying for the heavens to be opened, he didn't know that it was gonna take seven times, he set his mind to pray until there was a sign. So his mindset is what I call the warrior mindset. And can I have the musicians? Yeah, if you come up, that'll be awesome. Because we're going to pray. We're gonna go into prayer in a few moments. He had that warrior mindset, which is this: warriors don't go into battle, and then when it gets difficult, they plan to run back home. The warrior mindset is, I'm going into this battle to win or die in the process. Didn't he call us soldiers who should not concern ourselves with civilian things? In fact, he said, like soldiers, we should endure hardship. (laughs) How many times do we hear that being preached? Because a lot of us in the church, we just want, want God to make life easy for us. I'm sorry, but God is going to make life challenging because he's wanting to raise up an army. You can't raise up an army in comfortable situations. Maybe the situation you're complaining about, God has allowed it to build your spiritual muscle. And you want him to just snap his fingers and it's gone. Whereas he's wanting to build an intercessor through that situation so that when it passes, you're changed. And when you pray, after that situation, your prayers have another layer of authority on it. It is sad that some Christians go through situations and they come out worse. They don't come out better. They come out worse and bitter, disconnected, discouraged, upset with God. How about you start to think about those situations and say, Lord, how can I become stronger through this? How can I grow deeper in my prayer life through this? Lord, make me that warrior. Elijah had intensity, and he had tenacity. And I believe that in these days that we're living in, these two qualities are going to be critical for the church to step into. For the sake of the spiritual breakthroughs that your state needs and your region needs, as a church, we need to step into tenacious prayer. We need to step into intense prayer. And whenever we say these things, I know there are people in the room right now who you're feeling discouraged because you feel like you prayed for something, it's not happened. Well, I've prayed for things that have not happened, in fact, I've prayed for things and the opposite has happened. So why is it that I'm so bold and confident about prayer? Because the will of God trumps my prayer request. The will of God. He is my King. Yes. There are things I still can't, ex- I cannot explain, but I am submitted to His Lordship. So for me, there is no Plan B. Yes. There no. You might be feeling, oh, you might be in here just feeling weary and feeling tired. Oh, yeah, I've been praying. Well, do you realize there are times where you could be praying for something so much that that thing becomes an idol. In fact, there are many times, I don't know if this happens to you, where you're coming in to pray and seek God about one thing, but he wants to talk about something else. Put your agenda aside and submit to his agenda. Because when you make his priority your priority, he will make yours eventually his priority. There are times where God begins to meet your needs without you even articulating it. Because when you seek first his kingdom and his righteousness... He's going to begin to add other things to you. There are people in here that are feeling discouraged in prayer. And I want to use this as illustration. Now, let's use America. I don't understand the whole map, but if you're trying to go from, I guess, east coast to west coast, imagine you're trying to drive all the way from east coast to west coast, and you, you're definitely going to run out of petrol at some point. Is that a fair point? Imagine you run out of petrol halfway through. You're not just going to park your car there and start crying. (laughs) Oh, Lord, why me? (laughs) What are you going to do? You're going to find a petrol station. You call it gas station. You're going to find a gas station, put some more gas in, and get going. Guess what? The Bible says in Psalm 23, even though I walk through, the problem is some of you have made your bed in the valley. Feeling discouraged, that's gonna happen. Feeling weary every now and then, that might happen. But just like you're not gonna park your car on the road and just stay there, go and get some heavenly gasoline into your vessel. Get in a revival environment. Go and find believers that stir up your faith. Listen to something that's gonna put some more gasoline, spiritual fuel in you and get back on that journey because there is no retreat and there is no surrender. You may have been praying for your son. You may have been praying for your daughter, praying for your marriage, and it seems like it's not shifting. Guess what? There is no plan B. Either God shows up or nothing else. So when I feel discouraged, I'm going to find the voices of encouragement. I'm going to find things that build up my faith. I'm going to find people that get me stirred up because I am not giving up until the spirit of the warrior has got to rise in me. I'm going to get lost in the presence of God until he begins to revive my faith. There is no other way for me. Prayer is the way forward. I have no other option. The Lord is wanting to raise up Elijah's. Many of you are crying out, where is the God of Elijah? But God is crying out, where are the Elijah's of God? where are the Elijah's of God who will not give up who are going to pray intense who are going to pray with tenacity until the breakthrough comes until things shift we will not let go we will not give up these are the days of the Elijah mantle these are the days of the spirit of Elijah coming upon the church to break the hold of Jezebel over America over the where are my prayer warriors at arise intercessors this is the day of revival this is the day of awakening we will not come under the demonic yoke of silence that Jezebel wants to bring on us we're gonna pray we're gonna cry We're going to lift our sound. We're going to cry out to God. Romans 8. We don't even know how to pray. He is the one that helps us in our weakness. We're going to cry out to him. Lord, make me a prayer warrior. Lord, make me an intercessor like Elijah. Lord, make me a voice that does not back down. I want to be intense. I want to be tenacious. Put in me the inner fortitude. I don't want to be weak. I don't want to be a spiritual wimp. I want to be a spiritual warrior I want to fight the battles of heaven I want to pray release the decrees of heaven in these last days lay your hand rest upon me Jesus come on just begin to pray right now Yes, I don't want to be silent. I don't want to be silent. I want to arise as the intercessor. I want to arise as the warrior. I want to arise as the watchman in my region, in my family, in my nation. Lord, here I am. Mark me today, mark me on the spirit of intercession, mark me with the spirit of travail, the spirit of Elijah. It starts right here, God. I break off discouragement, I break off weariness, I break up deceptions, I break up depression. Every manipulation of the enemy I destroy over my life, over my body, over my emotions. I arise, I will not be silent. I arise in the name of Jesus. I arise in the name of Jesus. I arise in the name of Jesus. Kaya na 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 ya na 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 ya na 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 ya ma. Hey, matatoya, 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 vetataya, vetataya, vetataya. I arise, I arise, I arise. Balada, 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 ba. There is no giving up. No surrender, no retreat, no surrender. Marcos, Lord tonight, oh. Sakato la Thank you for listening to this podcast from Bethel Family Worship Center.